as I just prayed and as uh, if you've been kind of if you've been tracking with us, you, you, you know, some of what we're doing. We're in um, a four week series where I've just been explaining the vision for this building project that that we're going through and that we're, we're, we're undertaking. And if you read your uh, bulletin insert last week, if you read it this week, you kind of have a, a, a brief update of where we are. But the situation um, that we're at is um, we're going to be building out here um, outside, and, and hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll break ground pretty soon. But um, we were originally had, had budgeted about $150,000 to, uh, to buy a new building and to put it up there. But we came across a piece of uh, a piece of property, some buildings that uh, we we thought could be uh, could be even more suitable for us. And uh, there was a certain price point that we were looking at. Um, and two of our construction committee members went out there and made an offer to him. Um, kind of had it. We had in mind what we were willing to pay. Um, he came at us with about one hundred fifteen thousand dollars, which was a lot more than we were we were anticipating. We were, we were wanting to pay about uh, anywhere from forty to sixty thousand. So he came at 115. We came and said we we, we don't want to pay more than 50,000. So that's kind of where things were. That was the initial offer. Um, our our committee folks worked and 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 he he came down to about 80,000. Right, came down to 80,000. So this is where we're we're at right now. It's still too much. We don't want to we don't want to get it at that. Um, we're still looking to um, hopefully if we can get it at, at about 50,000. That'd be awesome. And this is where um, you guys come in. We really um, and I've been saying this from the beginning. Building projects because we're we're not just we're not just building a building out here. We're trying to uh, see people who don't know the Lord God come to know him. We're trying to see a generation that's coming behind us, raised up to know Jesus and to live as workers, as kingdom servants. We're trying to see our light shine in the midst of a community around us. Given that reality, these are spiritual things. And when we build buildings, we're not building just for the sake of building a building. We're building so that more people who don't know the Lord can come into this place, can come into our space, and they can know the Lord God. That's our aim and that's our hope. And because of that, every time we build, every time anyone builds a building, this is spiritual warfare. You understand that this is is not just like it's a matter of of these people's negotiating skills against this person's uh, uh, inability, right? This battle, uh, the Bible tells us in, in Ephesians and Corinthians, this battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. This is what we're fighting against. And, and we're seeking to build in order that more people could know the Lord God so that his kingdom could push back the kingdom of darkness. And there's opposition. There's always opposition. That's why so many stories you hear of church building projects that fall apart and churches split because it is spiritual battle that's going on. And so from the outset, my contention has been that it needs to be, it needs to be all of us involved in this together. And I know some of y'all are here and you're not Christians and, and you're like, what, what is this kooky talk? Um, I understand, but uh, this is for people in here who, who, you know, this is in-house stuff here. That you understand that we need all of us on board in order to do this. I don't want this to, and again, uh, I'm repeating things that I've said the whole time, but I don't want this to be something where people are like, oh, yeah, sure, they put up a building. I want it to be abundantly clear to all of us in here and to people who know us that this is the work of God. And there's a, a, a doctor in Ocala. He started the Centerpoint Christian Fellowship where a lot of our students go at University of Florida. And he, this is something he says a lot. He says, we can do a lot of good things, but nothing great will ever happen unless we pray. Behind every great work of God, behind every great move of God, behind every great project of God, behind every great program of God, there has always been a group of people kneeling and fighting on their knees in prayer because these are God-sized work that we're trying to do here. And I'm not talking about a building. Anyway, if, if, if 
we asked a, a rich benefactor, hey, can you just drop a, a million dollars and put a building? It can do that. Anyone can do that. Right? That's not, that's, but we're talking about um, the salvation of people, right? changing eternal destiny from an eternity apart from God to an eternity with God. That's not human stuff. That's not things that we can do. That's not something that we can negotiate at a table with. And so it's always, man, guys, we, it's got to be so much more than one person or eight people or ten people. It's got to be all of us together. And this is what I'm asking, that we would pray. And we're going to go to the table again in a couple of days, hopefully by Tuesday. And so I'm asking and I'm, I'm, I'm pleading with you guys that you, if, if this is your home, if this is your church, that you would fight with us. That you would say today and, and, and Monday and Tuesday, I'm going to pray. Whatever that means, if you can pray at least five minutes and just pray, God, Mr. Barry, that's his name. Change his heart. Open his heart. Help him to give us this building. And I promise you, if we do this, we do this together. We're going to come back and we're going to celebrate here. We're going to worship God. And we're going to see that God is a whole lot bigger than we think he is right now. And we're going to continue to expand in our mind a vision of God. As our prayers get bigger, our praise will get bigger. As our praise gets bigger, our view of God is magnified. And our prayers get, get even bigger. I'm asking you to do this, guys, for for the, sake of, for the sake of the kingdom. It's not for me, but for, for us to be stretched together and that we would go to that place. If you want to fast a meal, right, one of these days or, or, or fast a day, uh, the church that I ministered at, at in Chicago this week, they're praying for us and, and they're fasting for us that we could get this. And how much more so us? Right? This is us. This is this for us. And so I'm asking that you would do this and that we would, and that we would rejoice together. We'd celebrate together. Amen? All right. Uh, the Bible talks about a few building projects. We've looked at some of them a few weeks back, a few couple months back. We started our It's All About Jesus series. We talked about one failed building project at the Tower of Babel. You remember that, where these guys wanted to, 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 build, a, to build a building, and God said, no, that project is going to get disbanded because I don't like that, that building program and how they're going through it. And at one of our, actually at our first construction committee meeting, I, I shared um, about that, and I said, this is the failure of the, the Tower of Babel project. One, they didn't want God in it. They just wanted to do it all by themselves, and so the building project fell apart. This is a warning to us. They didn't want to obey God. God said, go fill the earth, uh, fill the earth with uh, people, people of God, and they said, let's build a tower and let's remain together. Right? They didn't want to obey the call of God. The reason we study history, the reason why biblical history, church history, history in, in, in your school class is so important is so that we don't repeat the mistakes of our ancestors. And so the Tower of Babel gave us an example of what not to do. And then a couple weeks back, we looked at the building of the temple, and we looked at what that was all about. Today, I want to look at uh, another building project um, from Exodus chapter 35. This is the building of the tabernacle. If you have your Bible, we're going to look at Exodus 35, uh, verses 6, starting in verse 6, and then we're going to go uh, to 36, verse 7. We're not going to read everything in it, but we're going to hit on some of the the important uh, parts from this passage. So they've been, uh, the Israelites have been released from Egypt. You remember uh, Prince of Egypt. You remember uh, the Ten Commandments. They've been released. They're kind of wandering in the desert. And they're about to, about to go to the edge of the promised land. But here's their one thing. They're saying, God, if we're go- to go into this new land that you're giving to us, we need to be crystal clear uh, that you're going to go with us in this. Uh, we can go. We can conquer the land even though they're giants. We can do anything as long as you go with us. But if you don't go, then we can't do this. If you don't go, then we can't. If you don't go, then we'd rather not go. And I think that's, I mean, that's us too. 
that's my life at least, man. Whatever, whatever I have in this life, whatever, however many years of life I've got, if, if God doesn't go with me, then I, it's not, life is not worth living. Because I've tasted and you've tasted and you've seen the goodness of God. And if he doesn't go with you, then it's not, not only is it not worth living, but we can't make it. Oh, I need you. Lord, I need you. It's not every hour. I say every, every moment I need God. And if God doesn't go with me, then I can't do it. I don't want my, and you don't want your ch- children growing up in a world if God doesn't go with you. And that was a cry of the children of Israel. They're saying, God, go with us. And so God says, I'm go with you, and here's how you'll know, right? Back later in the day, it would be the temple, but here it was a tabernacle. It was a moving tent in the wilderness so that wherever they camped out, the presence of God would go. And so the people of God were all like, God, we need you. We need you to go with us. He's saying, this is what you need to do in order to know that I go with you. And so we start uh, in verse 6. I'm sorry, verse 4, chapter 35. Moses said to the whole Israelite community, This is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet yarn, and fine linen, goat hair, ram skins dyed red, and hides of sea cows, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones, and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. All who are skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded. We're going to stop here. This is God's word. We're going to stop here and we'll pick up in a little bit. But, but several thoughts that, um, that, that just come out from this building of the tabernacle for the people of Israel and for us today. And this is the first thing. It's very simple. It's just going to be um, pretty straightforward. The first thing is that every person was invited to give. And every person was invited to give. Look at what it says in, in verse 4. Moses said to the whole Israelite community, okay, this is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have taken offering for the Lord, everyone who is willing. And then verse 10 says, all who are skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded. So here's Moses. He's got a bunch of slaves, a bunch of people that have been released from slavery. He's talking to all of them. And he says to the entire community, the Lord God is calling you to give what you can give, to offer what you have to offer. He didn't say, listen, and he, he gathered all the rich Israelites together. They, none of them were rich. They were all slaves, right? He, he didn't gather all the rich people. He didn't gather all the old people. He didn't gather all the people who are the spiritual leaders. He said to the entire Israelite community. The first point is very simple and is very clear that every person is being invited to participate and to give in this project, right? First for the tabernacle and here for us. Right? This is what we're, we've been saying, that the, the vision, the aim, the goal of this, this part of the project, uh, my heart and my prayer is that every person, right? even Hannah Chong, right? even Catherine, seventh graders, every single person who considers this church to be your church would be invested into this. Why? Because there's three kinds of people. In every building project, there's three kinds of people. The first are, are the destructionists, people who are bent on destruction, that whatever they want to do, they want to destroy the project. And for whatever reason, they're, they're malicious, they don't like our church or whatever it is, there are always people who want to destroy, who, who are bent on destruction. There are other people who are obstructionists, people who are bent on obstruction. They do whatever they can to get in the way of this. 
Maybe because I don't want to give or I don't like other people coming to our church. I like being cozy in here. I like being stuffed in here. I love in the summertime worshiping and it's hot in here. I love sweating. I, whatever the case is, there's some people whose desire is to obstruct the work of God. How is it, and these are good people too, so how is it that we can avoid this temptation to either destroy or obstruct the work of God? Here's how, by being people who construct, right, who are bent on construction, who are committed to construction. Right? That was a silly play on words, right? But it's simple. That's, that's the idea. Is that if, the more people are invested into it, the more we're committed to it, then the less we're going to complain about what other people are doing, right? The more people who are invested into it, the more you say, I have a stake in this, the more I have a desire to see this thing work, the more I ha- and the more people that are involved in it, the more united we can become as a community in building this and seeing this together right, to its completion. That's why the aim has been that we want every person who considers Harvest to be home to be willing to sacrificially give. And I know what some of y'all are saying, hey, you know what? I don't have anything to give. You guys feel like that? How many of you guys, in your mind, the first thing that you think when, when I say I want every one of us to sacrificially give, your thought is, I don't have anything to give. Good. Then all of us will give. <laughs> but, but maybe you feel that way, but you're just em- embarrassed to say so. I want, uh, I want to show a, a video. If we have a, a video that some of our, uh, some of our guys and, and gals of Harvest made that just help us to see that we can all be involved in this. Hey, Kenny. Hey, Dio. What's going on, man? Nothing much. What you doing? Uh, praying. Good. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, hey, I got a favor for you. Uh, for this Sunday, uh, you know, we're going through our Building Bridges uh, series. Wondering if uh, you could come up with a video for us. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the aim this time that we're going for is to try and um, get everyone in our congregation uh, somehow involved in this project, creating a video that um, will show some creative ways that we could uh, save and, and steward our money so that even like the youngest person could be able to contribute to, uh, to building bridges. Yeah, yeah, I could, I could ask some people for some ideas. Okay, so you got some, uh, you got some folks that you could tap into? Yeah, I, I definitely have, I have, I have good people. Yeah, they're, they're, they're uh, professionals at this kind of stuff, so... some ideas on how we can save money. Smiley face. Maybe your best friend is liquefied caffeine. Perhaps you're a lover of Starbucks. A cup of coffee at Starbucks can average to about $3. Let's say that you buy one cup every workday, so five cups a week. With 52 weeks in a year, you're spending a whopping $780 a year. Instead, why not stop by your local grocery store? Pick up a bag of coffee. A bag can be about seven to 10 bucks and can last for almost a month. You would be spending 120 bucks a year, meaning you'd save $660. How about two important things? Food and drinks. 
Let's say you buy your lunch every day for about $6. That would total to $2,190 a year. Or something simple, like plastic water bottles, which don't look anything like what I just drew there. They can cost $4 a pack. Let's say you use one pack a week, that totals to $208 a year. As an alternative, pack your lunch, make your food, hit the grocery store and buy in bulk. You'll probably be eating a lot healthier too. Make some green stuff and blue stuff. Buy a water filter for your house. A filter can cost about 20 bucks and be replaced two to three times a year. You can also buy a BPA-free reusable water bottle at the store for less than $10. Maybe you have subscriptions that you don't even use. Perhaps a monthly cover of Mac Damon. Call to cancel and receive a refund of the remaining undelivered issues. Surely there's stuff around your place that you don't use. Maybe a vacuum cleaner, a crib, nope, that, that's a TV, or a skateboard, a babe, that's a doll, or furniture. Let's have a community sale. Small things with your car can help you save on gas, like changing your air filter. This can increase mileage by 7%. Checking your tire pressure can increase mileage by 5%. Try changing your own oil. It's a simple task that can save you up to $40 every time. But most importantly, check and plan your monthly budget. Look at what's coming in and where that's all going. Maybe there are things you don't need or things you can come back on. Make a list. Fill out a budget sheet. Talk to some friends and house church members. Let's prayerfully consider where we can worship God through our finances. So, hey Kenny. Hey Dio. What's going on, man? Nothing much. What you doing? Stop. And the best actor award goes to, not me. <laughs> the, the, the point of that was just to show that we can all, we can all do something. We can all contribute something. I, um, last week, our uh, four-year-old Manny, she, was, uh, she, she found some money on the floor, and she came running, and she gave it to me. And she said, Daddy, here, you know, here's five cents or whatever it was. And, and I said, oh, Manny, you can, you can keep it. Why don't you keep it? I don't, I don't really carry cash. Um, or checkbooks for that matter, but I don't really carry cash around. But she, she, so she, I gave it to her. I don't carry coins either, so gave it to her. And so she um, said, "Well, I put it. I'll go put it in my piggy bank." And she has this piggy bank that one of her uh, one of her uh, friends gave her, and it has three sections in it. There's a section for the uh, for the uh, for the bank, for the store, and for the church. Right? So you kind of divide up so that the bank is where you save, the store is for if you want to buy something, and, and the church is where you want to give. And so I said, here, Manny, you could um, save it for later. She has no idea what that means to save it. I said, you can put it in the store to buy something, or um, you can help to, b- to build bridges with our church. She knows we're going through a building project. So it was so cool just seeing her little mind as she looked back and forth between them, and she put that little nickel in the church thing. My heart was so filled with, oh, so beautiful, right? Five cents going to a church building project. But we can all do something. We can all do something. Hey, some of y'all are getting a, a tax refund. You didn't, you didn't even remember that you're getting that. Maybe instead of going and, and seeing that, hey, let's, maybe we can, we can use this to, to, to build bridges. Maybe some of y'all are going to do some of the things that, um, that were on that video, saving 
on, on coffee, I realize as I go through my budget, how, what an inordinate amount of money I spend on food. And I think as Olivia and I are going to talk about our, our pledge and, and what our commitment is, um, that's one of the things that we're going we're gonna to certainly cut down on. Instead of going out to maybe some of y'all are, are high rollers and you go out to eat at, at $30 a meal restaurants, instead of that, maybe just like $10. And, and everything that we save, it can be used in order to, to, to bless people. You remember, you remember Schindler's List, that, that movie? I had talked about it a little bit ago, but it's, it's basically about this, uh, this, this guy named Oscar Schindler. And it's during the time of the Holocaust, World War II, and he um, takes a bunch of Jewish people and he uses them to start a factory in Poland. And he gets mad rich, makes all this money off of them. And as World War II goes on, he begins to realize um, the inhumane treatment of these Jewish people. And so he thinks, well, what can I do? And he begins to develop a burden for them. And so for the rest of his life, he spends um, freeing these Jewish people from slavery, right? freeing them from, uh, from the, the Nazi occupation. And, and so at the end of his life, <clears throat> at the end of the war, he's basically rescued over 1,000 Jewish people. And they're so filled with gratitude. They're so filled with thanksgiving. And he, the war is over, and so he's kind of wanted, and so he's got to leave. He's got to leave behind the people that he's rescued. And he has this, like, moment where they're thanking him. They're saying goodbye to him. They're saying, thank you so much for what you've done. And he looks at them, and he just starts breaking down. He's like, but I could have done so much more. I could have saved so many more people. He looks at his car. He's like, if I had, if I had sold my car, I could have saved 10 more people. If he looks at this pen, he's like, this is two more people here, one more person. Like, if I could have just small sacrifices here and there so that more people could come to, to be rescued, could be saved. I'm not telling you go sell your car. Maybe you will. Maybe that's what you feel like. But, but what is the price of a soul to be saved? What is the price of, of, of our children being raised up to come to know Jesus? What, what price would we pay for that? I mean, what if it is a, a cup of coffee a week? If it's a cup of coffee a week, would you be willing to, to, to give that up, to sacrifice that, in order that someone that you know or someone that you don't know could come to the saving knowledge of Jesus? Is that worth it? Would that be worth it? I mean, we don't know what the worth of a soul is, but what if it's that? What if it's to, to, to not send our, uh, our kid to that, that place, that after-school program for uh, $300 a, a week? And maybe it's... it's Maybe that's the, the, the price that we give. I don't know what, what it is for, for all of us, but I know that we can, we can think through these things because every person, every person in the community who considered themselves to be the people of God were invited to give. And that's, that's what I want to offer to you guys. I don't, that, that's it. First thing, next, second thing, second thing. Every person was invited to thoughtfully commit, okay, to thoughtfully commit. If you look at what it says in verse 20, then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence. And everyone who was willing and whose heart moved him came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of, of meeting, for all its service and for the sacred garments. All who are willing, men and women alike, came and brought gold jewelry of all kinds, brooches, uh, earrings, rings, and ornaments. They all presented their gold as a wave offering to the Lord. This is, this is the interesting thing about it. And I read this in, in a bunch of different translations, verse 20. So he's telling everyone, he's inviting everybody to give, talking about all of these things. And then it, it says, verse 20, then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence. What, what's happening here? So here's, here's Moses. He's talking about the need. He's talking about this is what we need. We need this in order for, for God's presence to go with us. He invites everyone to give, and then he sends them home. 
Why does he do that? Because he doesn't want anyone to give out of a, an emotional, simply an emotional response. Doesn't want anyone to feel manipulated or guilted into doing this. He sends them all home. They all go away from Moses' presence. And then they thoughtfully commit to what they wanted to give to the Lord God. It wasn't, there wasn't any coercion. And, you know, I, I know that there's a, lot of, there's a lot of risk as we go into this project. I mean, we're all told, all told we're trying to raise $800,000, including the 400000 that's been gifted to us. We're trying to raise a, a whole lot of money. And I, you know, I've never done anything like this before. I, I, I talked to a lot of my friends who've, who've been in these situations, and, and they gave me a lot of different advice. They said things like, you've got to hire a consultant to come and give these talks. You've got to hire a consultant to meet with your, your high-end givers. You've got to um, have, have dinner meetings and, and, and talk to all these people. And I just felt like I, that's, not, like I, that's weird for me. I don't know how to – I don't know that, – that doesn't, that doesn't fit in, in with my personality. I know I, I've, I've learned a, a lot about myself as I've been doing ministry. I know there's certain things that people do that um, it's just that's not, how I, that's not how I roll. That's not where my gifting is. But if there's two things that I learned uh, through years of doing ministry, it's one, if there's ever a challenge, and I believe if God, is, if, as long as we have the word of God, I believe that, I believe that God has given me the, the, the gift to be able to teach us through any challenge. I really believe that. Whatever, whatever we may be confronted with, I think if, as long as I have the word, I can teach us through any obstacle, through any challenge that we've got. The second thing I believe that as long as God doesn't shut the heavens to us, I believe that we can pray through any obstacle. And these are the, the two things that I'm grounding all of this stuff with. I believe with all of my heart that this is what God is calling us to. And I think if we're on board, then we're going to see this through to completion in a way that's going to honor God and it's going to wow us and it's going to bring glory and honor to his name. I really believe these things to be true. And as I, I read through the word of God, I read through different building projects in scripture. I read through Nehemiah and um, it was a simple thing that Nehemiah did. He said, this is the present situation. Right? This is what we're trying to get to. And then he said, and this is how God has been working in our midst. And that's, been, that's basically been what I've been presenting to you the last two weeks. I said, this is where we are. Like, we're in this place. This is where we want to go. We want to build bridges. And last week I said, this is how God is working. That's it. That's all I've been doing. I don't want to coerce you into anything. I don't want to manipulate you into anything. I, I was a psychology major. I could do these things. But I'm not, I don't want to do it that way. Because if you do, then you're not going to give joyfully. You're going to hate me. And then you're going to drive me out. I'm never going to be able to enjoy that building that we're in. I don't want that to happen. I want us, that's why we're giving you this pledge card this week. So you go home, you look at it, and then you could thoughtfully make a commitment. To think about how you can get your, your, your stuff in order, in order that you can, you can make a sacrifice to the Lord that would honor him. I know, that, I know that a lot of times we have the desire to see all these things uh, happen, these things come to, to fruition, these things come to reality. I know that we've got these desires, but at the end of the day, um, it's not our desires. It's our decision right, that's going to determine where we go. It's not, oh, yeah, I want those things to happen. It's, it's the choices that we make. It's the decisions that we make that's going to shape our future. It's going to shape our destiny. I don't know if you remember seeing um, these ads. It was the Ad Council put out this campaign, and I don't know, I don't know why, um, what, the, what the purpose of it or what the aim of it was or, or where there, if there was a particular intent. But they put out these series of ads. It was called Almost Giving. I don't know if you guys remember seeing this a few years back. 
But there was this guy, it was a guy on crutches, and he was trying to make it up the stairs right, in this, like, in this, this dark, uh, dark stairway. And, um, and, and the message, uh, the message of the commercial, the, the advertisement, it, it goes, um, this guy almost learned how to walk at the rehab center that was almost built by the people that almost gave their money to it. He says, how good is almost good? He says, how, how good is almost giving? He says, almost as good as almost walking. Dang, powerful. It's insightful. There's another one where um, there's a guy named, uh, there's a homeless guy in the street. He was covered by this rag, kind of raggedy uh, bed sheet. And he said, this is Jack Thomas. Because the other day, someone almost gave Jack money. Someone almost took Jack into a shelter. Someone almost helped out Jack. And says, and, and, and Jack Thomas says, Jack almost made it through the night. And a lot of times we almost give. You know, we have the desire, but when it's time to give, we don't actually do it. You know what I'm saying? We, a lot of times we, we have this intention, we have the desire, but it's not our desires, it's our decisions that ultimately are going to shape our destiny as individuals as well as as a church. And so every person was not only invited to give, but to thoughtfully commit to what they want to give. The last thing, we're going to look into uh, chapter 36 here, but the last thing we see is that God's people sacrificially and joyfully gave. uh, 36 verse 1, it says, So um, Bezalel, Oholiab, and every skilled person to whom the Lord has given skill and ability to know how to carry out all the work of constructing the sanctuary are to do the work just as the Lord has commanded. Then Moses summoned uh, Bezalel and Oholiab and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come and do the work. They received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring freewill offerings morning after morning. So all the skilled craftsmen who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left their work and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order, and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because they already had, because what they already had was more than enough to do all the work. This is pretty funny, isn't it? I think this is funny. So here, they, these guys are, are, are building this tabernacle. And everyone is bringing their stuff. And then these guys come up to Moses. They're like, oh, Moses, we got a problem. And Moses has heard that a lot of times from the lips of these Israelites through the years. And so he's like, oh, my gosh, what is it this time? He's like, the people are giving too much. We've got too much stuff. We don't know what to do with it. And so Moses has to stand up and tell everyone, hey, spread the word. Stop giving. (laughs) Like This is crazy, isn't it? Oh, I'd love to have this kind of a problem, wouldn't you? That people are, they're, they're giving too much. We've got too much money. We don't know what to do. We're just giving money away. This is crazy. Why is it that they could sacrificially give? There's some language in here that you've got to see. It says, verse 1, So Bezalel, Oholiab, every skilled person, to whom the Lord had given skill. It says the same thing in verse 2. To whom the Lord had given ability. Right, they understood a couple things. One, that everything that I have has been given from God. The reason why we can give sacrificially is because we realize it's not mine to give away anyways. 
This is a, this is a great print. This is a great lesson. If if someone were to give me a thousand dollars and say, "Hey, do with it whatever you want to do," man, I would be so I'd be like giving it away to people. But if it was a thousand of my own, it'd be a little bit hard to do that. I might give away some if someone made me do it. But thousand dollars, somebody gives to me. Holy cow! Yeah, <laughs> hey. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, whoever wants it, just take it because it's not mine. See, here's the deal. What we think we own is really on loan. You see? What we think we own is really on loan. I think the challenge in stewardship is because we don't understand that this is not our stuff. So uh, last week, there was um, our, our, our little guy, Elijah. He's, when he's gotten upset recently, he's, he's resorted, maybe because we don't give him enough attention or we don't give him what he wants, um, he really needs to demand what he wants. So he's, he's taken to biting people lately. And so if he doesn't get what he wants, he'll bite people. And so the other day, like last week, early in the week, uh, Manny started crying, and we went over and saw, and she had teeth marks in her hand. She was crying, and we matched up the teeth marks, and it was Elijah. <laughs> It bit her. And so a couple of days after that happened, um, Olive and I were, were in the bedroom, and, and Manny and Elijah were there, kind of out of sight. And Manny started saying, no, Elijah, no, Elijah, no, no. And so we knew that he's going to bite her. So we ran over, I, I ran over to try and divert this. And right before his fangs came out, I said, Elijah, stop, 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 stop. So I forget what Manny was playing with. I don't, uh, maybe Olivia remembers, but she was playing with something. She was, maybe she was sitting on a, on a chair or something like that, and Elijah wanted it. And so he doesn't really have this idea of, of understanding that it's not his. And so he just tries to take it because he thinks if I see it, then it's my thing. And so uh, he's trying to take it. And Manny's like, no. So I, I, I sat Elijah down. And I sat down so I could have eye-to-eye. We're having a a heart-to-heart, man-to-man. It's a great teaching moment. So I gave him this like one minute long, and I give you a summary. I said, Elijah, look, listen. This is Manny's toy. She's playing with it right now. If you want to play with it, then you say, uh, Nuna means sister in Korean. He says, Nuna, my turn. And if Manny wants to let you play with it, then she'll say, okay, Elijah, wait. And when she's done with it, she'll give it to you. And then you receive it and you say, thank you. Okay? He's listening to me, just patiently listening to me. I say, okay, Elijah. He looks at me and he says, no. <laughs> I think Elijah's problem is a problem that I often have and maybe you have also. It's a problem of ownership. And we think that it's our stuff. And if we think it's ours and we don't want to share with other people, we don't want to give it to other people. And the reason we can't, We don't sacrifice this because we don't realize that it's not ours. It's what God has given to us. And the sooner we realize that, the more we're going to be able to to give sacrificially. I think a lot of the the, the issue lies in in this reality. One um, simple, simple thought here. When we give, a lot of times when we're thinking about what we're giving, it makes it hard for us to give. But when we're thinking about what we're receiving, then it's a whole lot easier, isn't it? This is why when you go to the mall and, okay, so maybe you're not an adult, you're, you're a student. Right? You're a middle schooler and you say, Mom, I need to go to the mall. She's like, all right, what do you need? I need you to drive me. So she drives you to the mall, drops you off, and you're like, oh, but Mom, I need some money. So she gives you money. What does she give you? How much, how much does she give you? She gives you a what? $10. Okay, $10. Like $10. Oh, my gosh, this is so small. Like, what can I get for $10? I can't get anything. I can't get a pair of shoes. I can't get a sweater. I can't get a scarf. Maybe I can get a Hello Kitty keychain. That's all I can get. $10 is nothing because we're thinking about what we can get. But when you go to church, and you're like, oh, Mom, I forgot my offering. She's like, here, and she gives you $10. 
Like, holy cow, $10 this is so much. I should, you should just give this to me as my offering. $10, this is a lot. Why? Because when we come to church, a lot of times we're thinking about how much we're giving. We're outside of church. We're thinking about all the things that we're getting. But here's the thing that a principle of life, that if we can get this, understanding not only of stewardship, but of how God works, there are passages throughout the Bible that always talk about how when we are generous to others, God always has a way of blessing us. Look, I'm not promising that you give, that you're going to be rich, because a lot of times it doesn't work that way. Sometimes it does. In fact, oftentimes it does. But the blessings they talk about, Proverbs says, when you give generously to other people, you refresh other people, you will be refreshed by God. That's a promise. That's a, that's a principle that God gives. Jesus says, when you're faithful with a little and you're faithful stewards of that, he says, I'm going to give you a lot that you can be faithful with that. You know, some of the most generous people that I know are, are some of our house church shepherds. And these guys, some of them have a lot. Some of them um, have more than other people. But, but almost all of them that I know are incredibly generous with what they have. And I'm not talking, when we talk about sacrifice, I'm not talking about equal amounts, but I'm talking about equal sacrifice. And it, it hurts all of us to give to people. It hurts some people more than it hurts other people. And some people, $10,000 a lot more than it is for other people. $10 a lot more for some people than it is for other people. But I, I, man, as I see these shepherds extending their generosity, it's an amazing thing. Sometimes it's a blessing on them financially. It's a, their, their business just takes off. Maybe it's a blessing in, in their family, like their children start just crazy favor, God's favor on their lives. Maybe it's financial blessing in the form of not only their business does well or they get these crazy tuition breaks, things that are just beyond them. There's no way this should have happened. But I, I've seen over and over again how they've been generous and in their generosity as they shovel out to God. I say this all the time. As we shovel out to God, God shovels back in, but his shovel is so much bigger than ours is. Constantly has a way of blessing us says, when we give, there's a harvest of righteousness. Maybe through your giving, you're going to be used by God to just, your, your ministry for God is just going to take off. But every time we give to God, every time he's like, man, this is, I've given you this to steward and you've been faithful with it. I'm going to give you more terror. I'm going to give you more. Yet, hear me. I'm not talking about if you give, you're going to be healthy and wealthy. That's not what I'm saying. In fact, I, I, I disagree with that kind of theology, but I, I, I'm completely convinced through the word of God that whenever we give generously, that God will always bless us in some way. And this is what God's calling us to do. To give sacrifice. But how do we give joyfully? It's because we understand that's that principle to be true. Now, we haven't even started giving our, taking our pledges. But I've already seen people giving sacrificially. Last week, $2,000 came into our building. For, we haven't even started. One of, some of it was given by one of our college students. And he said last week, yeah, I gave to, to the construction before I, before I go off to school. Uh, another person, and, and this is something that I think all of our, our high school, middle school students need to hear. One person said to me, hey, you know what, Pastor? This is my contribution. This is my pledge to our building fund. Uh, whatever our youth ministry raises, okay, if you're in sixth grade through 12th grade, whatever they raise, whatever they pledge, whatever they give, one of our congregation members said, I will match whatever our youth ministry gives. That means if our youth ministry raises $50,000, then that person in our congregation is going to give $50,000. 
And that means if y'all raise $100,000, that they're going to match that. They're going to give $100,000. I wrote to this person. I said, I hope that they put you out of business. <laughs> I said that half jokingly. But I want to man, that's an amazing opportunity. So maybe you guys will decide in your heart, if that's the case, if someone's going to match what I give, then I need to really think about how I can give sacrificially because my, my sacrifice is putting a dent into somebody else and they're going to know the joy of giving as well. And there's, there's, there's not, not a, a bit of, of compulsion. Right? There's just this sense of uh, gladly for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of what God is doing here. Second Corinthians tells us that God loves a, a cheerful giver. And that's why I don't want us to feel like I'm giving because I have to or because someone's twisting my arm to do this or it's not about that. And I, and I, I run the risk. We're not like a congregation of 1,000 or 500 or something like that, that if a bunch of y'all decide, oh, I don't want to give, that there's going to be people who are going to give. It's not like that. But here's the deal. Can I, I'll just, I'll just, here's my poker hand. I'm going to give it out to you right now. All right, this is my heart for us. Obviously, I want our project to be funded. But my deepest desire is I don't want something from you. And God doesn't want something from you necessarily. Right? I want something for you. And I know in my heart of hearts that if you give joyfully, not because you have to or because you're manipulated or coerced or guilted or all oh, those little kids, they're giving five cents, I need to at least get Not because of that but because you want to. And I promise you, and you could take this to the proverbial bank, that God is going to bless you in ways that you never before dreamed. And again, I said this, I said this the first week. Olivia and I and our family, we're going to do this too. We're not asking you to, to do something that we're not going to do. We're going to make some hard choices and some real sacrifices. And and the reason why, we're, we're, this, we're not asking you to, to skim off of your regular offerings. Or, this is on top of all that. That's why we're asking you to go home and to think and pray about it and make a commitment. Because it's not to, uh, to take away from your missions giving, your house church giving, or any of that other stuff. But to say, yeah, on top of what I already give. So that it cuts into our lifestyle. And it is a sacrifice. The ultimate reason, when you lay it all out, the ultimate reason that the New Testament tells us that we can give Joyfully. In fact, the word joyful is hilarious. A hilarious giver. Right? So, giving so generous that people look at you, they laugh, they say, that's hilarious. And we laugh at the joy with which we give. He says the ultimate reason, because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, he became poor for our sake. So that through him, we might truly become rich. If we're here and we know what it means to be a child of God, we are supremely blessed with something that money could not ever buy and that no one could ever buy off of us. See, when Jesus went to the cross, Father asked his son to make the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus didn't say, Dang it, Dad, you always make me do hard stuff. But because you said it, I'll do it. That would be funny. He didn't say, okay, Father, I'll die, but kicking the, kick the can across the street. Okay, I'll die, but only if you say I have to. 
okay, God, but just make it quick and easy. Just kind of chop my neck off. He didn't say that. Says for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. He scorned its shame. And he died for you and for me to take away our sins so that in him we might be richly blessed. The more we understand the grace of God, the more the gospel begins to pull on our heartstrings to say that he gave it all for us because he didn't think about what he was giving. He was thinking about what he was gaining. What was he gaining? The glory of God in the hearts of all people. But he was gaining us. And he said, for that, I consider it pure joy. And he gave himself for us. Let's pray together. I know there are a lot of us in here who um, aren't harvesters here. And so first of all, thank you for coming. Second of all, I'm not trying to get into your pocket. I'm not. I just hope that you heard the word and were blessed. Um, and that's it. Just that wherever you go, that you could be generous. But for those of us in here who are our people, really think about Maybe today, uh, through this time of the Word, God just pushed you one step further, making some kind of a commitment. In the Corinthian letters, Paul compares the giving of the Macedonians with the Corinthians, and he, he does say, yeah, let the giving of other people inspire you to give. So maybe for some of us who are in our youth ministry, you just feel like that matching fund that really does change things for me. I want to pledge, and I want to give sacrificially. It's going to hurt the person who's giving, but with joy and with sacrifice they give. For others of us in here, if you've experienced God, last week we saw this room light up with people who have been changed by the Lord God. I want to see more of that. I want to see more of that. I give what I have in order to see that. Maybe God will be putting his finger on a certain thing that you've been at the store you've been set on getting make life a little bit better make life sweeter maybe the Lord would be saying hey maybe that's what you could offer to me in order that more people could know the Lord and whatever it is wherever we are let's just spend the moment praying making different uh, prayers asking for strength faith for us to do this. But let's just ask the Lord, help me, show me, teach me, guide me, mold me. I could be generous. I could give joyfully to the cause of God. Let's pray together for a moment and I'll pray for us and we'll continue to worship through songs and
Lord Jesus, I pray that uh, our response as we come next week to pledge and to give wouldn't be a response that praises methods, that praises techniques, that praises the way that we went through this process, but be a response that praises you. Be a sign of how deeply we know grace, how deeply we know the gospel, how deeply we've been touched by you. That's the, that's the only motivation we want, a joyful surrender to you because our lives are not the same as when we started coming to this place. So help us, Father. Work in us, Holy Spirit. Move within us. Lord, as we go home from here, can make a thoughtful commitment to give, to build bridges people would come to know you and a generation to come behind us rise up in you and generations to come after them and we might be able to be a light in a world that's dark and in need of you thank you so much we need you